Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, What is the Church? Many think of the church as a building or organization, but scripture teaches something far different. The church is the community of God's people who gather for worship, love, and care for one another and serve God's purposes in the world. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's word in your life today. We are um, going to be looking today at 1 Peter chapter 5. Again, everything you need will be there in the booklet for you. So we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, the first seven verses. As we're continuing looking at what is the church. And so this week we're going to be looking at elders uh, and what their call and role is. As I mentioned last week, the New Testament pattern is always that a local church has elders. And so now the question is, what are elders, uh, what is their role within the local church? So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Hear now the word of your Lord, King, and Shepherd, Jesus. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of the Christ's sufferings and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Well, one of the things that I've uh, started during this whole time of coronavirus and everything else is uh, I began watching the original Star Trek series just to see how far TV has actually come in the last 60 years. And it has come a long way, I can assure you. Uh, the acting is pretty campy, and so are some of the special effects. But one of the things that I've definitely noticed in starting to watch that series again is really kind of the central idea is the leadership of Captain Kirk. I mean, they are out in the middle of nowhere. You know, they're exploring these unknown regions. He is in every episode, for some reason, in the military, I would have never sent the commanding general out on a recon mission, but he goes out on every reconnaissance mission to figure out what's going on, and he constantly has to make these bold decisions. It's all about his leadership, and they bring out very often what it means to be a starship commander, what it's like to be out there and do that. He, and particularly has to be bold and decisive. But one of the things I thought about when I watched that is he, he clearly is being put up as the epitome of what it would mean to be a starship commander. But my question would be, would that make a good elder? Is it the same thing? 
Or does the New Testament teach us something regarding leadership in the local church that in fact might be quite different than what would make one a good starship commander? So we want to talk today about what are the requirements to be an elder in the local church? What is actually the role of an elder and how does this help us understand again what is the church? Now, Again, we're bringing this up because in question 71 in our catechism, which we're kind of working through a little bit here, it states that everybody's called to be a member of a local church where they are led and cared for by elders and then a whole bunch of other things. So we're going to be kind of unpacking that. Well, what does it mean to be led and cared for by an elder? So we're going to use this passage. We'll look at a few others, but to discuss who elders are and what their role is in the New Testament. The first thing to understand is elders in the New Testament is virtually always used in the plural because elders serve as a group together. The only time one speaks of an elder uh, is when we're talking about whether an individual man meets the qualifications to be an elder. But the rest of the time, overwhelmingly, it speaks of the group together. So notice in verses 1 and 2 here, uh, Peter writes, to the elders among you. So notice he uses a plural. And then in verse 2, he says, be shepherds. We can't tell this in English, but in Greek, you can always tell if the verb is singular or plural. This is, again, y'all be shepherds. You elders as a group are to shepherd God's flock that is under your care. Again, in English, we can't tell, but in Greek, it's apparent. This is a plural your, it's you all, that's under y'all's care. That's what you are to do. So it is elders, be shepherds under the, to the group that is under y'all's care. And again, if you were just to look up, you would find every time it speaks about elders, it's always in the plural. You never read, so-and-so was the elder of the church at, at such and such a place. It's always the elders together. And this is the New Testament pattern, and it's particularly so because in light of sin, since the fall, it is not wise to invest all authority in a single person. They rarely have the character to handle such a situation well. And if you want to see how that works out, just pull out your phone after the meeting and Google church leaders who have fallen. And you're going to get a whole list of them. And it almost always comes back to one individual had too much authority. There was nobody there holding them accountable. And it creates trouble. I just read this weekend about an evangelical leader. I didn't even know his name. But apparently it had been quite a brouhaha two years ago when the elders tried to hold him accountable. He left, started another church. A bunch of people went with him. And then what should be to no one's surprise, he just had to admit he's been in an adulterous relationship for the last 11 months. Because the problem started with he thought he was an authority unto himself. That is never the New Testament pattern. So the first thing is elders serve as a group together. So it's not Captain Kirk calling all the shots. If you're in that situation, you're in trouble right from the beginning, according to the New Testament pattern. Secondly, Elders are shepherds who care for the flock. They care for the flock, which is the church. So notice 
Peter again in these first two verses says, to the elders among you, I'm appealing as a fellow elder. So notice that even Peter as an apostle refers to himself as a fellow elder because the basic leadership position in the New Testament church is that of elder. There's not even, you should be aware, some people want to refer to me as the pastor because I'm the elder who works full time and I do most of the teaching. The New Testament doesn't make a distinction between me and all the other elders. We're a group together. And even Peter says, even as an apostle, I'm, I'm a fellow elder. I'm part of a group that leads the church. And he says, notice in verse 2, here's my command to you. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. So notice it's the very first thing out of the gate is here's what you have to do. You must be shepherds. And then he doesn't even say be shepherds of the church. He keeps the metaphor going. He says, I'm going to even refer to the church as a flock. A local church is God's flock, and elders are called to be shepherds. And this is not just in this text. This is the overwhelming, dominant, used again and again and again metaphor for elders. If you have to break down to one word, what it means to be an elder, it is to be a shepherd. That is what it is. So, for example, when Paul, he calls together the uh, elders of the Ephesian church. This is in Acts chapter 20. And you can read the whole thing. It starts in verse 17 and runs to the end of the chapter. But Paul gets all the elders of the church at Ephesus together and says, this is my last time I'm going to get to talk to you guys. So let me lay out what's most important. And here's what he tells the elders in verses 28 to 30. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So notice all the metaphors there are sheep and shepherds. You keep watch. And he's not talking about a military watch in this case. He's saying like shepherds, keep watch over their flock at night. The, the church is referred to as the flock. You are to be shepherds over the church of God. And the danger that you shepherds are watching for are these false teachers, and they are referred to as wolves who are going to come in and destroy the flock and not spirit. So in every case, Paul says, you need to understand what you're doing in the sense of go out and watch a shepherd with their flock. You're doing that. That's what God's call for you is. Another verse that we oftentimes would not relate to this, but in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul lists these various gifts that Jesus has given to the church, and he lists four different ones, actually. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, thirdly, some to be evangelists, and then last, some to be pastor-teachers, or pastors and teachers. It's two functions. Now, you say, why do you bring that up? The word pastor is actually the word shepherd. That's what it is. The guys who hung out on a hillside with the sheep, the, the ones who the angels appeared to that night, it's the same word. The word pastor just means shepherd. That's all they are. And again, it's not a separate office from being an elder. In the New Testament, the two are actually the same. An elder is a pastor teacher over God's flock. They shepherd and care for it. Now, 
The reason this is so important is make no mistake about it, this is based on the fact that Jesus is the chief shepherd and overseer. Another word that's used for elders is overseer. Uh, you'll see that translated in the, in the NIV. Some translations use the word bishop uh, in that case, but it's not like the hierarchical church thing. It's just a word that means somebody who oversees. And notice how Peter refers to Jesus this way twice in his letter. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, he says to us, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He uses the same two words that are used for elders, shepherd and overseer. But he says, Don't, you need to understand, the real shepherd is Jesus. The real overseer is Jesus. And he comes back to this in chapter 5 in our text. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory. So he's reminding the elders, remember this, you are to be shepherds because you are modeling Jesus. And he is a shepherd to the flock, okay? He's not Captain Kirk. He's a shepherd to a flock. He's an overseer to the flock, and you are to do the same thing. Now, this is really, really important for us because Jesus sets the model for what we're supposed to be, and it guides how elders view themselves and how the church ought to view them. But here's the funny thing. I get emails all the time from various church groups wanting to teach me about how to be an elder, and guess what they virtually never reference? Being a shepherd. They tell me how I can be a good CEO, how I can be a good business leader and manager, but they don't use the actual metaphor the scripture uses. And I can assure you, there were business leaders when the scripture was written. If God wanted that to be the model, he would have made it the model. I actually read from a person I respect, but he wrote an article two years ago at Thanksgiving, or more than two years ago, this was about five or six years ago, at Thanksgiving, and the title of the article, which some local pastors wanted to sit down and discuss, was uh, why you should thank your pastor for being a CEO and not a shepherd. That was the title of the article, and they wanted to discuss it. So I went in and I said, okay, I happen to know that the other guys in this room don't read Greek, but I'm going to go ahead and point out in Greek the title of this article is Why You Should Thank Your Shepherd for Being a CEO, Not a Shepherd. I rest my case. This is idiotic. Okay? Because he is a shepherd. That's what the word is. It's the actual word. So trying to argue why he shouldn't be what the actual title is, is foolishness. But we want to read these things. See, I can watch Captain Kirk and say, wow, that's awesome except for it would be a failure to lead the flock like a starship commander because you're not a starship. And not only because such things don't exist, but because that's not the nature of what the church is. And so we need to be aware and you need to be aware, please, wherever God calls you, you should be looking for men who are shepherds that that's what they are. And they are not taking their model from how Steve Jobs ran Apple. That may be good for building up the world's largest corporation. It does not mean it's good 
for what the local church is called to be. So remember this, elders are not CEOs, they're not business managers, they're not vision casters. Their job is to be a shepherd. It is to care for the flock of God. And woe unto us whenever we leave that model. But I warn you and I tell you, it is all over out there. The majority of advice I get is to directly, not just that they don't talk about being a shepherd, they directly tell you don't follow that model. This is evangelical stuff, okay? But it's not biblical. Third point, how do elders shepherd? Well, they primarily shepherd by the word of God. That is how they do it. Peter does this throughout the letter. If you notice, every time he's making a point, he's quoting the scripture. Because as a fellow elder, Peter is shepherding us through his letter, and he does it by teaching us what God's word says. If you remember in Acts chapter 20, where I read just a minute ago, the wolves that shepherds are supposed to protect from, they come in and how they act as wolves is by false teaching. They're teaching false things, so how are the shepherds going to protect the flock? By teaching truth is what they're going to do, by teaching the word of God. And so over and over again in the New Testament, we see that elders are called to speak the word of God. For example, in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, we read, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. That's how the writer to Hebrews characterizes them. You can know who they are. They're the guys who were constantly speaking God's word to you. They were speaking God's word over you. This is the primary way that an elder is called to shepherd the souls of others. It's by the word of God. It's also why when you read, Paul a couple of times lists qualifications for what an elder is to be like. And among them in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is that an elder must be able to teach. The old King James is apt to teach. Um, now, this isn't necessarily saying that they have to be a good public preacher, but the elder has to know God's word. And the elder has to be able to speak God's word to people and help them understand how to apply God's word to their own life. Because if you can't do that, it's like a shepherd that says, I can't tell a sheep from a goat. I can't tell. I don't know what sheep like to eat. I don't know when they ought to sleep. And I can't tell when they're starting to get sick. If you can't do that, you can't be a shepherd. If you don't know the word of God, you cannot shepherd the flock. So is an essential quality for an elder, an essential qualification for an elder. This is why. See, it doesn't matter how many other leadership qualities they possess. There's no question Captain Kirk has got a lot of leadership qualities. He also likes to go to planets and sleep with the other women and do all kinds of other things where the New Testament say, not qualified. It doesn't matter how good and bold and decisive you are as a leader. If you don't meet the qualifications, you can't be an elder. And right at the front of the qualifications are you have to know the Word of God. You have to know how the Word of God applies first to your own life and then to the life of others. I won't even take the time to read it, but if you go and you look in uh, the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, we read that Ezra was studying God's Word. He was a 
applying it to his own life, and then he was instructing Israel how to apply it to their lives. That's exactly what an elder does. Studies the word of God, applies it to his own life, and then helps the flock to apply it to theirs. Uh, and this is critical because the word of God, therefore, is the limit of the elder's authorities. I, as an elder, I have no authority to speak on anything that the word of God does not speak to. This is essential. Everything else is simply my opinion. And my opinion, and four bucks will get you a latte at Starbucks. That's all it's worth. It's, that's just my opinion opinion. Elders are bound and restricted by the word of God, and that is for the good of the flock. That limits our authorities. So, because ultimately, and this is going to be where we keep driving, authority rests in God's word. Authority doesn't rest. The elder doesn't just have authority. It's authority in the word of God. It's authority under Jesus Christ. Once again, if you read when leaders get themselves in trouble, it is very, very often they started developing their own sense of authority, their own sense of what they wanted to do. And if you got in their way, you became bones underneath their bulldozer. This is so far from what the New Testament teaches. Can you build a church of thousands of people doing that? Absolutely. The same way you can command a starship, the same way you can build a massive trillion-dollar company. But are people actually being built up in their faith? That's a whole separate question from whether we're building up this organization. This leads to the fourth point, which is that uh, elders not only serve as a group, serve to shepherd, shepherd by the word of God, but fourthly, they are servant leaders. Servant leaders. So notice Peter here is describing what an elder is like, and he says that you are serving as overseers. The word serving is not actually there in the Greek. The, the NIVs brought that out because it does fit in the passage. But notice as you move down, he says you're, you're willing, uh, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Notice that the entire description here is an elder is one who is eager to serve. An elder is one who, rather than lording it over and saying, I'm the elder, I'm in charge, says, how can I serve the flock of God? I've told you before this, and this may be a, a little small thing for me, but it drives me nuts when I go to a place and right up front the best parking spot says, pastor. Just being serious. If you want to be New Testament, pastor's parking spot ought to be in the back 40. That's what leadership looks like. Pastor doesn't go first through the line. Elders go last. They serve others first. That's what it means to be a leader in the New Testament. And it's always the New Testament pattern for leaders. So notice in the book of Luke, Jesus is speaking to the disciples in Luke 22 verses 25 and 26, and he says this, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise them uh, authority call themselves benefactors. That's not a word we use, but what it means is 
I'm the Lord, I'm ruling over you all, and you are blessed to have one such as me ruling you. Jesus says that's the way people do it. And, and if you look around, it has not changed. There's nothing new under the sun. This is exactly how our leaders work. I was tempted to begin, rather than using Captain Kirk, to say if you want to talk about leadership, flick on, watch our governmental leaders, and pretty much do the opposite of whatever they're doing because they're making a mess of it. And one of the ways is I'm supposed to feel so privileged that they're my leader, whatever they're saying or doing, whatever crazy thing it is. And by the way, that equally applies to both parties. So don't just think about the other guy. The guy you probably like is probably leading the same way. But notice what Jesus says in verse 26. You are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. See, there is a worldly pattern of leadership, okay? And then there is the pattern that must apply in the church. And they are two very different models for two different kingdoms, okay? And leadership in God's people has to be different. Uh, and this has been a huge problem in church history. And I'm telling you, I can see, I observe and I watch. Uh, I meet with uh, David Bayshore and Simeon, another young guy named Roger. We've met and we've talked about this and I have hammered this point home with them. This is what it looks like to be an elder. It looks like serving. It looks like being not greedy for money. I can't count the number of elders I've watched get themselves in trouble because they want to live like they're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. If you want to do that, here's a clue. Go be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. But if you want to be a shepherd among God's people, you can't be greedy for money. You, you've chosen and agreed when you came in. It's one of the things I've talked with Linda about. Look, I'm graduating from the academy. There is not a lot of money in my future because I'm not interested in that. That's not what I'm after. I want to be a leader among God's people, and it's an entirely different thing. So I want to urge you, never, never, if you are taking notes, put this all in cap, never underline it. For a moment, submit to a team of elders who love their authority. If you do that, you are begging for trouble, and it's going to find you. You are begging for trouble if that's the way you look. Look for those who serve. That's a great way. Just ask yourself, are they willing to serve or is service beneath them? I, I want to tell you, I remember from the first time I walked in here, and, and he'll get mad at me later, but that's okay. When I first walked in, one of the first people that ever greeted me in this church when I was a young midshipman was Tom Parlett Sr., because he and Donnie were waiting at the door, opening doors and greeting people back in 1980. And if we were inside, you all know who oftentimes is greeting you and saying hi and doing It's been Tommy and Donnie for years. People have commented to me for years that I'm the last one to eat at fellowship luncheons. That's become a joke, but it's actually not true. You may not know, but usually Tommy and Nellie don't even eat because they're in the kitchen serving. If God calls you somewhere else, pay attention. 
If they're not servants, they're not leaders in the New Testament church ever. That leads to the next point, which is that elders are to be examples in character and conduct. Notice Peter says at the end of verse 3, you are to be examples to the flock. You're not to be lording it over those entrusted to you. You're to serve them being examples to the flock. And then down in verse 5, he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. So he told them to be examples. Well, let me ask a question. How are the people in the flock supposed to know what it looks like to clothe themselves with humility towards one another? Answer, they're watching the elders who are among them who show them how to act with humility. There are a number of leaders I've even liked that are good teachers of the word of God. And then I started watching them and I was like, yeah, but this guy's arrogant. Never a good sign. And so I'm not surprised when the next news article comes out, oh boy, he's had his hand in the cookie jar the whole time. You, you can't teach what you're not applying to your own life. You can't help other people apply in their own lives what's not being applied in yours. You can't shape the soul of others in a way that your show, own soul is not being shaped. So elders are to set an example in character and in a pattern of life that others can follow. Notice in Hebrews chapter 13, we quoted this a few minutes ago, Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The writer to Hebrews says, if you've got true leaders among you, they're going to be speaking and applying God's word. They're going to be first speaking it to themselves, applying it to themselves. Then they're going to speak and help you to apply it. And you can watch what it looks like in action by considering their own example, how they are living their own life, the way that it's working out among them, and then you can imitate it. This is also why if you go back and you read 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, overwhelmingly the qualifications for leaders are not what the world would pick. It's not about their leadership traits. It's not about how they can do this, that, or the other. It's about their character. Is the person being a good husband? Is he being a good father? Is he, is he gentle? Is he given to getting drunk all the time? Or does he live a life of self-control? Is he somebody who's greedy for money? Or is he actually willing to share with others? Is he open? Does he practice hospitality? This is what the qualifications are. They're not anything. I can guarantee you, and I think the Marine Corps does a lot right with it, but when I was at TBS learning how to be a leader in the Marine Corps, these were not the qualifications. They just weren't because it's a different mission. But in the church, these are the qualifications, and they are overwhelmingly character-based. Give me a man a character who knows God's word and is submitted to God's word over a guy who's bold and will lead you where no man's ever been before. I'll take the guy with character every time. And it's, it's a way that you can see, again, it, it includes how you conduct themselves in their home. You should be able to watch how I treat my wife. If I am harsh with my wife, then don't be surprised if I'm harsh with you. If I am overbearing with her, 
If you look at all the elders and the way we respond to our wives that way, then make no mistake. This is exactly why Paul multiple times says you better pay attention to that. Timothy, Titus, when you're looking at guys, this is what you need to look at. How's he treating his wife? Uh, how is he working with his children? Is he forming the souls of his children so that they are developing a heart for God? Is he now, if they're old enough, with their grandchildren? Because if they're not doing it in their own home, they're not going to do it in the church. No matter how great they can speak, no matter how many hits they can get on their YouTube video, that's not the qualification. So it'll repeat that pattern in the church. And so I urge you again, Never submit to someone whose character is questionable or unbiblical. I don't care how charismatic they are, how funny they are when they speak, how bold their leadership is or any of that. If they do not have godly character and conduct, do not follow them. They can't possibly fulfill their call because what they are that is going to be reaching out and trying to seep into your soul. That's what it's going to be doing. Last area, and then we'll come to applying the word. And this is why all these others, this is where they hit the ground. This is where they come home to roost. The reason that elders serve as a group, the reason elders speak the word of God and are governed by the word of God, the reason that elders are servant leaders, the reason that their character and their conduct is so critical is because the elder's task is to point people to Jesus, not to themselves. The goal is not to get people who are followers of me, it's to get people who are followers of Jesus. He's the shepherd. He's the overseer. He's the one we're supposed to be constantly pointing to. So notice Peter tells the elders in verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Notice he's saying, hey, you're not really the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. You're just an under shepherd. Um, he's the one that's doing it. So elders are called to relentlessly point to Jesus and to help them cultivate a personal relationship with him Notice in verse 7, so that they can cast their cares on him. Peter doesn't say, cast your cares on the elders. They're mature enough. They can handle it. The elder's job is to say, oh, that is so hard. Let me pray with you. I want to point you to the one who can actually help. The one who can actually bear this load. The one who can actually care for you. That is the ultimate task of an elder. If an elder draws people to themselves, they're not doing their job. My hope, my goal, after years of having the privilege of serving as an elder within this congregation, is not that when I die, people say, wow, Brett was this and that and the other. I hope what you say is, man, just hanging around him made me want to be with Jesus more. That is the goal. I hope out of everything I say and do that the other elders are saying and doing, it makes you want to be with Jesus. Because I can assure you, I cannot solve your sin problem. I cannot fix the things in your life. Jesus can. And what I can do is keep pointing you to him.
That is the call of an elder. No human leader can satisfy your soul. No human leader can care for you through the valleys of life. What you need is to learn how to draw close to Jesus. And the primary goal of elders, and it ought to be your primary goal with one another, is to keep pointing each of us to Jesus, to keep saying, keep drawing close to him. Because what you need, ultimately, is not one another. It is not the deacons of the church. It is not the elders of the church. What you need is Jesus Christ. And I can assure you, he is more than enough. But that is the task of leaders. So you also need to ask yourself, when I'm hanging around this person that's an elder in a church, do I feel like they're pointing me to Jesus or are they pointing me to themselves? Am I impressed with them or am I impressed with him? Because the goal ought always, always, always to be, be impressed with him. And having been an elder for over 26 years and serving with a good group of guys, but I can assure you we're not that impressive. The more you know, <laughs> the more you realize what you need is Jesus. And my wife says, amen. amen. That was a little bit too much gusto on that amen. I just want to point out there, a little too much gusto on that amen. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's important right there. So how do we apply this and we'll come to the Lord's table? First, I do want to give thanks and commendation to our current elders. I have had the privilege of serving with Don Parlett Sr., who's now an elder emeritus, uh, and Tommy since 1993. And they were shepherds over my soul from the time I was a midshipman. I remember them caring for me. I've had the privilege of serving with Scott Ruprecht, there's Scott in the back, uh, Tony Marsh, who's not here today, Bobby Bell. I've had the privilege of serving with all of these men. And I want to commend every one of them. And I want you to understand, we're fellow elders together, okay? Let me be really clear. When we meet and we talk about things, I don't get two votes, I don't get five votes. We work together as a team to shepherd the congregation. And I want to encourage you that these men are all servants of Christ, and they're walking in accord with all of these qualifications that we're talking about. You have a good group of men who love you, who care for you, who pray for you, individually and together. We don't always have the same gifts. I can assure you, we don't even always agree at first. But as a team, they love you, and they care for this flock. I commend uh, this whole eldership to you, and I ask you, pray for us. Please cry before God for us as we're crying before God for you all. We're asking God to bless you and to work over you. We need God's guidance. We need God's wisdom. We need God's protection so that we can shepherd the flock well. So I want to commend all of the men with whom I have the privilege of serving as fellow elders, and I commend them to you, but I ask you, please pray for us, that we would shepherd well, that we would keep doing, which is the next point, pointing you back to Jesus. Because I want to be clear, what you need is not any one of us, 
nor as a group. What you need is Jesus. And so I want to encourage you in light of what their leadership is, is to point you back to him. We are pointing you back to the chief shepherd. That's, you notice that that's uh, Peter's language in his letter. God calls each of us to receive from the leaders who God has placed in our midst. No, make no mistake about that, but their task is to point us back. Hebrews 13, 17, for example, says, obey your leaders and submit to your authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So God does call us to submit and make leadership a joy and not a burden. But, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage you to be encouraging the leaders because I can tell you this has been a tough year to lead. Okay, I, I've had the privilege of being an elder since 1993. Uh, never been through a worldwide pandemic and the situation that we're going through. Never actually had a meeting outside <laughs> like we're doing this year. There's a lot of things going on that have been uh, strange, but a lot of you have been encouraging us uh, as leaders as we're trying to lead in this unusual season, and I thank you for that. I encourage you, please continue to pray for us. But here's the number one way you can encourage us. If you want to know what do you really want to pray, I'm going to give you the number one way, and I'm going to speak for all of the guys. Draw close to Jesus. That's what I want. More than anything else, I want you to draw close to Jesus, the chief shepherd of your soul. Ultimately, that's my task. I'm going to keep saying well, what you need is Jesus. Because from whatever you've got, each of you are in different situations, but here's one thing that's in common. I ain't the answer, nor are any of the other elders. We don't have what you need, but we do know one who does. So notice in 1 Peter 2.25 again, you were like sheep going astray, but you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. These two words that are used for church leaders are used there of Jesus because all other church leadership is just ultimately saying, look to him. He's the true shepherd. He's the real overseer of the church. The greatest joy that any leader can have is seeing you draw near to him. That is ultimately what all of this is about. And let's be clear, this year has been really disruptive, okay? I don't think back this time last year, if I'd have shown a picture, we'd have all wondered, I wonder what Bay Ridge was doing sitting outside. Well, we're sitting outside because this has been a strange year, okay? But what is really important in the midst of that is use it to draw near to Jesus, when you're in good times, let that be an excuse to draw near to Jesus. When you're in bad times, let that be an excuse to draw near to Jesus. If it's just okay times, let that be an excuse to draw near to Jesus. What you need is him. And our task is merely to keep pointing you back to him. That's ultimately all of what that stuff about elders is in the, uh, in the scripture. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to come to the Lord's table. And here, you're going to be fed by your shepherd, Jesus, not by us. The Lord is our shepherd. Bobby actually started 
the meeting with that, reading that passage this morning, and I'm actually going to be praying in just a moment, and my prayer is going to be based on Psalm 23, because you need to understand the Lord is your shepherd. And ultimately, what I and the other elders do is keep saying, you need to look to the shepherd, Jesus. You need to be looking to him. We want to point you to him because he's the one that can feed the flock. So I want to encourage you today, we're going to come to the table. Let your shepherd feed you as we come to his table. If you do not have the elements, you can go ahead and grab some. We have some down at the table, but we're going to be getting ready to come here to the Lord's table. Friends, what I receive from the Lord, the true shepherd, I pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I remind you, friends, go ahead. You can start to peel back just the one layer with the bread, but I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we will take the, the supper together. Oh, Lord, you are the good shepherd. You have cared for us so that we lack nothing. You have fed us with food to enjoy and drink that satisfies, refreshing both body and soul. By your word and your spirit, you have guided us so that we might exalt your name. And even when we have walked through the darkest of valleys, you have been right beside us, comforting us and guiding us so that we never need fear. And, oh, Lord, as if that were not enough, you have prepared and spread this feast so that we might sit and eat with joy in your presence. Though the enemy would rage against us because of our sin, and would try to banish us from this table. You invite us to come, eat, and drink, so Satan can do nothing to prevent us, for our good shepherd has made the way and protects us even now. So meet us at this table and feed our souls with this spiritual food. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, take the bread. Lord, in taking this bread, we confess that you are the good shepherd, that you provide all we need 
and that we are the people of your pasture, the very sheep of your hand. Friends, take and eat. Lord, in taking this cup, we are freely confessing that we have sinned and wandered from you more times than we can count. But you have brought us back into your fold by the blood of Christ. And your love and your mercy pursue us daily so that we remain the flock of your hand. Thanks be to God for the blood of Christ. Friends, take and drink. Friends, let's stand together so we can conclude with prayer and a benediction. Lord, as the good shepherd, you have provided all we need. We thank you that you created us, but we thank you even more because you have recreated us in Christ. We thank you for the gift of food and drink that we enjoy so richly each day, but we thank you even more for the spiritual food and drink that we have just received. We thank you for those who have shepherded, guided, and discipled us on our spiritual journey, but we thank you even more for our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd and overseer of our souls. O oh, our God, we cry out for your spirit to fall fresh on us now so that we might not simply hear the voice of men, but the very voice of our God each day. May we hear you telling us whether to turn right or left, guiding, renewing, and restoring us so that we might walk close behind you as the flock of your hand. You are our shepherd. May we hear your voice clearly this week. We ask this in the name of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ our Lord, and God's flock says... Amen. Amen. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in all of us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And if you receive God's blessing, say amen. Friends, go forth blessed by your shepherd and be a blessing. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.